There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Bradley Wiggins Show by Eurosport. Today's stage 13 of the Giro d'Italia. And not an easy one. I'm joined by Dan Lloyd today. Dan, a typical Giro stage. We've both ridden it. And after the couple of days we've had, you'd have thought the organisers would have just slipped in a nice sprint stage for the <laughs> riders. But never that simple in, in Italy, is it? With the inclusion of two really tough climbs in it, it proved to be quite decisive. It split to smithereens, didn't it? Yeah, for a lot of riders, when you're in it, you think, why do I have to put them in at the end just to spoil the nice day, uh, the easy day in the saddle? But when you're watching it... It's very entertaining, isn't it? Yeah. You know, we thought that at least yeah. Sagan would get through to the finish. Demar, if he was on a fantastic day, but in the end, neither of them getting there because it was such a tough uh, finale to the stage. You know, they rode up those climbs so quickly towards the end. You know, on the first climb, it was Bora Hansger. You know, they set the pace uh, yeah. what they thought Sagan could follow at. But on the last climb, we started to get attacks. You know, firstly from Elisi, who of course went on to win the stage, but also from Teo over the top. Yeah. You know, he put a dig in as well. So it was tough enough that Sagan couldn't keep up in the end, but also they had strength in numbers yet again to Koenig Quickstep to keep him at bay on that run-in. Yeah, I mean, how do you think Sagan will feel tonight? Do you think he would have seen that as a missed opportunity? Yeah, I was sort of thinking when I was watching the stage that... Um, you know, he's in a, in a very different situation to the tour where, where all of his rides had fallen out of the GC. So they were entirely around him on a couple of the stages, weren't they? But on this one, ironically, he did have two riders in front of him yeah. in that lead group because they're both on GC. They couldn't drop back to help him. So the only help he got really was from Ben Swift and, and Thomas de Ghent. Yeah, and obviously his teammate nearly won the stage, didn't he? he came down to quite a close sprint. There's the look around. It's a strange old sprint between the GC guys, but keep your eye on the pink jersey. Tailgate and Hart is there as well. Big left corner back to the finish and they've got to make up positions. It's been another long day. First part of it was very easy. It was relaxed, but then they chased the break. Then they had the rises. There are bonus seconds here as well as the stage win, remember. Look out and keep your eye on that pink jersey. Joao Almeida wants to extend his lead, but look at the Movi Star rider coming from the back. Looks like he might be having to make up a long way. It's Almeida at the front. Almeida, oh, three to the line on the left-hand side. The pink jersey yet again going for a stage win. Um, he's um, seems to be just growing in confidence and strength every day, and the team do as well. The job they did for him over that last climb, understandably, yeah. I mean, I still see him cracking big style in this last week. You if keep we go saying over those, that. I do keep saying yeah. it, and it's not. I'd love to see the lad win. I'd love to see a 22-year-old in their first Grand Tour win mm. this because I think it'd be just an, another amazing story. We seem to get yeah. so many of them yeah. this year, but. I just think that he's putting so much energy into it. The team are putting a lot of energy into defending yeah. it. And I think once we, you know, you know what it's like, the final week of a Grand Tour, once we go into those stages with 5,000 metres of climbing, the weather might be bad, you know, the climbs are steeper, they're longer as well, they're back to back. It's just a different kettle of fish to a, a 2K climb and a 4K yeah. climb, climb coming before it. That's if we get there, of course, because there's still a lot of talk. We saw Luca Shinto was quite damning of Jonathan Valter's letter yesterday that we spoke about. And it, it doesn't seem to have had any effect, or it, if anything, it's been seemed to have been laughed at, really, isn't it? Jonathan Valter's um, suggestion that we end this race Sunday. It was 
we were never going to get unity, were we? We no. talked about on the breakaway yesterday after we uh, heard from JV. You know, Shinto's in a team that gets invited to this race. Yeah. It's by far the biggest race for that for team them, and yeah. every other invited team. Absolutely. So important for the Italians, uh, the cycling in general, really, not just yeah. those four invited teams, but also, you know, the race and the sport in that country, which, you know, doesn't have a World Tour team anymore. It's really important for all of them that they get through to the finish. So firstly, you've got those invited teams. They're never going to agree with it. Astana, I can't imagine, you're going to be satisfied with 10th place for full sound. They'll want to carry on as well. The Koenig quick step, they're not going to want to stop. So, you know, like you said on the podcast yesterday, teams can make their own decisions. We've seen that with Jumbo Visma. Yeah. And if Jonathan Vortis feels like he wants to make that decision and he feels it's the best call for his team and for his riders and staff, then he's going to have to do it on his own, no matter how many letters he sends. And one rider who popped up today, someone we're used to seeing winning stage at the Giro d'Italia, Diego Ulissi, eighth stage winning the Giro d'Italia. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, he always seems to just appear when when there's an opportunity and take it. He got a few critics over the last few days. You know, there's always people to criticise cyclists, yeah, isn't there? But having not, won a stage already. Exactly, yeah, but not getting into breaks on the stages which suited him, etc., etc. But he's just, he's so reliable at this race, isn't yeah. he? You know, he's when got the an eye for racing, hasn't he? Yeah. yeah. And, there, you know, there aren't loads of riders. Alaphilippe's another one, isn't he? You know, yeah. Slightly different yeah. level to, to Diego Ulisi, but, you know, what, what Alaphilippe's done in the Tour de France over the last couple of years, and, you know, using his strengths and being astute tactically is exactly what we see from Ulisi at his yeah, home grand tour. He reminds me of someone we've both raced with in um, Andreas Clear. He was, when I raced with Andreas, he was someone, I've never raced with someone other than maybe George Hincapi who, who had such a tactical awareness, was so astute about reading a race and could almost predict how it would turn out. Yeah. Um, Andreas, as he got older, obviously couldn't finish the end product off. But what he did do was pass down to the rest of his teammates and became quite, um, you know, quite an important um, role and played a really important role for Mark Cavendish in his early career. And then I know for like Heinrich Hausler in his early in his career. Um, and he reminds me very much of him, although he's able to still produce the goods at the end. Even Vitor Hushoft as well, you know, he'd been a pro for Absolutely. a long time before yeah. those two hooked up at the same team. And, you know, you get these very, very strong guys and it's amazing that they can still learn when they're late 20s. Jeremy Hunt was almost um, underappreciated for how much he could read a race yeah. as well. Yeah, I mean, it's such an important skill, isn't it? Yeah. And actually, we, we listened to Gilbert on the Eurosport commentary on Gent Webelgum and you know, Carlton and Adam were asking him, you know, how would you play things if you were in this front group? You know, if you're the strongest, you know, you're going to go on to take the victory. And he said, no, you just, you know, you need to be the most clever out of this group and use what strength you do have at the right time. And yeah. he said that, you know, he often didn't feel the strongest, but still would go on to win. And not everybody's got that, obviously. Yeah. And actually, Philippe will be on um, on the Tour of Flanders commentary early on yeah. Sunday as well. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to hear what he says there. But, it's you know, I learned loads in the later part of my career about tactics and about where to conserve energy, where you needed to move up, where you could just sit back and relax a bit yeah. more. And it's just very interesting. And I forget it very quick as well. Since I've left the peloton, I've forgotten a lot you of do, yeah. ins and outs of, of different things that go on within it. And of course, you become a bit more detached from it. You get used to watching it on TV again. You, you, you lose the memory of how it feels to be yeah. fighting for position and how hard it is. But, you know, it is, it's nice watching riders that are just tactically astute, yeah. that use their brains as much as their legs. Special mention, Teo Gegenart. What a stage he rode today. I mean, again. attacking, fourth on the stage in the sprint, getting up there and having to go. A top 10 now going into this third week is more on the cards than it's ever been for Taylor. It is. And he, he's got nothing to lose, really, has he? You know, they've no. already got three stage wins in that team. You know, he's the best of their rides on the GC and he can just see how far he can push it now. And I, I hope he does really well. A couple of years ago at the Dauphiné when he was riding for Geraint, like, he was 
riding on the front for him. And by the time he'd finished in the mountains, there was only about four, yeah. five, six of the best climbers in the world left. And at that point, I thought, you know, this lad's going to go on and be one of their main GC contenders. Yeah. Obviously, last year, he crashed out of the Giro when he had an opportunity to show what he could do. But he's got another one here. Not quite the same situation in that he didn't come in to go for his own results, his own GC. But... So he'd already lost a bit of time, I think, before before Geraint pulled out. But he's got a big opportunity over yeah. this next, this final nine stages of the race, starting tomorrow, of course. Great moment up that climb where Terra Attack, where James Knox just rode up beside him. And we got two young British talents that are shining at the moment in Grand Tours. And I just, I love the sort of slight look James gave him. And, and he's another one, James, isn't he? Like just outside the top 10 at the Vuelta last year. But I personally see him in, in just having a really solid career doing what he's yeah, doing here absolutely. i don't see him ever threatening to be on the podium of a grand tour but he will get contract after contract because yeah. of what he's able to do you know day after day he's been there yeah. for Joao almeida and when it comes to remco you know developing later i think he'll be someone that they'll look to to always be at his side when it matters yeah james off the bike is a very sort of adolescent demeanor about him but on the bike he's the maturity the way he rides and the confidence he displays is the two very opposite, polar opposite ends of his character. And um, he's got a real mean streak about him on the bike, which I love. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he also came to the pro side of the sport, or at this level at least, a little bit later than, you know, these young superstars yeah. we're seeing now. And I think, you know, I was even later, but by the time I got there, I just couldn't believe I was in the same team and, and racing around riders of that level that I'd always looked up to so much. And, yeah, and I, I think he's probably getting yeah. over that point now. You know, he's yeah. been there long enough. He's established Absolutely. himself and yeah. now he can just do his job. And I always thought that was what held Teo back because he, he, he had too much respect for other riders. It was too nice. Um, but he's really sort of gaining that mean streak about him now, which is great to see. So, yeah, it was a brilliant stage for the Brits. And there were some winners and losers today. But I have to say now, going into time trial tomorrow, and then, of course, Sunday's mountain stage, and then a rest day, for me, Almeida is now, this is his race to lose. Because I can't see anyone with, A, a team strong enough, or individual strength that could match him at this stage. Well, this is where we disagree. As I said before, yeah. I, I'm still expecting him to crack. Right. Not in, in these next two days, I could see him firstly perhaps gaining some more time, at least on most of his rivals tomorrow. I know you think that Wilco Kelvin is going to be very close, and I'd agree with that. Uh, Sunday doesn't go up to really high altitude, so I don't think he'll lose much, if any, time there. Yeah. It's just that final week I'm looking at. But yeah. no, he'll, he'll, he'll have goosebumps, won't he? When he gets off that start ramp tomorrow in the pink jersey, even though it's not you know, the fast skin suit from the yeah. team. I mean, you won't, I don't think he won't he be able to believe I think I think he's just riding with this youthful exuberance we've seen, like the likes of Pogacar and that will ride. There's an element that they don't quite know what they're achieving. Um, and that I witnessed years ago with Grant Thomas. And, you know, they don't quite realise the position they're in through their youthfulness, you know. And lots of us knowing a lot about the sport, the history of the sport, would be in that position and get goosebumps and go, you know, I've got a week to go and I'm leading the Giro here. And sometimes that certainly hindered my career. But with these guys... It, like you said, they've got nothing to do. They just go for it, and I think that's what aids them. I think that's actually an asset, a character trait. That asset that that I mean, look at Pogacar at the tour compared to Rolich, who, was, who knew he was on the brink of doing what he was going to do, and Pogacar just went for it. Yeah. Well, my problem with both of them is that they make it look too easy. You know, yeah. Particularly Almeida, first Grand Tour, first year as a pro rider. Yes. Yeah, He's been leading the the race for a long time now, uh, and still looks really, really strong. And, you know, and he doesn't know either how he's going to feel in the third week. But given how he's looking in the end of the second week, it um, bodes well for him, I guess. Yeah. So predictions for tomorrow's time trial? Well, the obvious one is Ghana, isn't it? To take the stage win. Yeah. You know, he's just raw power. 
the likes of which we don't see very much in um, cycling. I'd agree with that. And pink jersey tomorrow night? Oh, Almeida will still be in pink for me, Almeida, definitely yeah. tomorrow night. I, you know, I think it'll be tight between him and Kelderman amongst yeah. the GC riders. You know, you talk about how uh, important it is to feel comfortable on your time trial bike. And, you know, we've already seen the result from Almeida on stage one. So he'll be confident of putting in a decent performance tomorrow, particularly given there's a couple of climbs and that steep one right yeah. at the beginning. Yeah, I think Fool's saying, you know, he never performs that well in the time trial, does he? I think he might be slightly worried about it. Yeah, the, 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 the results in the first stage slightly skewed by the change in, in wind direction. But um, yeah, I could see Fulsang and Nibali conceding a bit more time. Kelderman and um, Almeida gaining a bit of time on those two. And then Pozzavivo, you never know of him. Do you? I think you know, if anyone else is to win this race going into that third week, I still think Fulsang could still win this race. Yeah, I'd agree. I think I'd those agree. last few days, whether that... That doesn't mean it at the detriment that Almeida will crack, but because I think Almeida will still finish on the podium. But I think it's more of a case that Fulsang will just be too strong for everyone. But I don't think Almeida will crack and fall right down the GC. And I, I can see Fulsang, there's just a demeanour in it. And the biggest thing in races like this is how you deal with disappointment. And so far, what's been thrown his way, calm as you like, when he changed bikes yesterday, took his Garmin bottle, you know, things like that don't seem to affect him. I watched him in an interview with Bernard Eisel. He's just taking it in his stride. He's dealing with those disappointments. And I think that's what, what will aid him in the third week. It will. That's where Pitt, the likes of Pino and that, that's what they, they don't deal with those kind of disappointments well. The thing with Fulsang is he's only, he's finished in the top 10 of a Grand Tour once. He's yeah. 35 now. But that said, you're right. Because of what the other stuff he's won, you know, Liege, Bastogne, Liege, Lombardia this year, Dauphiné. Twice Dauphiné. He won't be satisfied with where he is. Yeah, he'll put it all on the line, won't he? Yeah. Uh, Jakob yeah. Fulsang. Like, he's only going to be happy, I think with a podium at the very least, uh, yeah. but probably just the win. So from that point of view, he's, he's a real danger in that final week. You know, we've got five road stages that lead into that final time trial. They're all over 200k. There's one flat one and that's 250. Yeah. It's, a, it's a brutal final week if if we have the mountains in the race. That's yeah. the other uncertainty. Well, we've got that all to come. We look forward to it. Thanks for joining us, Dan. And we'll be back tomorrow for another podcast. Thank you for listening, everyone. And we'll see you soon. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.